Hey everybody, welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz Videos. Jeff Antoniak here. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Those of you that have tuned in before, you know we're uh, you know into our 80th video or so here on the channel, and this is 40-something uh, in the Digging Deeper Jazz series. My name's Jeff Antoniak, and uh, I love sharing this experience of jazz and giving you guys great, very specific tools to work on. And as most of you know, I'm talking to adult amateur musicians mostly. I am thrilled that there are university professors uh, across the country using this material in their classes. I never expected that. But um, this is for adult players who don't have access to great information, or if you have information, how to parse it and how to get organized with it. So you're the folks I love talking to. And these videos, as always, are for all instruments. So today, we've got something very different for you. And this is something I wanted to share with you. Um, a uh, gentleman that I know runs a great uh, channel and a great documentary series on the creative process. It's called Art Life Life Art. And uh, you can see the link to uh, where you can find Lorenzo Wilkins. And um, he's done some really, really fascinating work. And it's all about living a creative life. What does it mean to live a creative life? And investigating that from all sorts of angles. It's very interesting. Anyone tuning in, if you watch this video this far, this is something you think about. This is something that thrills you, right? And I'm here to say that even as an amateur, somebody playing in the basement halfway across the world from where I am right now, you're engaged in creativity. You don't have to be special to be creative. I don't think, I know that to be true. You don't have to be famous to be creative. You don't have to play an instrument or hold a paintbrush to be creative. That's the kind of stuff that Lorenzo loves talking about. So uh, he very kindly asked me to be involved in uh, one of his documentaries. So he did a, a little piece that features me and some of my playing and some thinking. So that's what we have coming up. So uh, I'd love to uh, turn you loose on this. I'm, I'm glad to introduce you to Lorenzo and his work. I hope you uh, continue watching. Check out the, uh, the, the documentary he did here on me. Uh, it's just a short little 10 minute thing. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. And most especially, I hope it gets the gears turning for you to understand that all human beings are wired for creativity. We all do this. We all can do this. And that's the biggest message I want. So uh, here we go. Art, life, life, art. Well, talking about creativity, I'm a jazz musician, so one of the first things I think about is improvising. For those that don't know, when we're playing a jazz solo, we're making it up as we go along. And the thing is, what I'm doing right now, talking, I'm making this up. I've talked about improvisation a lot of times, but I haven't used these words in this order. So, as far as I'm concerned, human beings are wired to be creative. We're wired to solve problems in the moment. So I think that's a lot of it. I'm improvising right now. And the reason I'm able to do this, I know what language I'm speaking. I can improvise really well in English. I'm terrible at improvising in German. Can't do it, right? Doesn't mean I'm not a good guy or a smart guy. It means I don't know the language. I can also talk all day long about jazz and improvisation because I know the topic. I can't talk very much about dairy farming because I don't know anything about dairy farming. So when I know the topic and when I'm comfortable with the language I'm speaking, I can go.
So to me, it's interesting. There's this combination of being a craftsman and being an artist. To me, a craftsman is somebody that can make the same table a hundred times, the same beautiful table exactly the same way. So there's all this technique required to be a craftsman. To be an artist is interesting. Um, you don't want to make the same table a hundred times. That's not being an artist. So you have to bring something new to it every time to be an artist, right? And you only need the technique you need for your vision. Miles Davis, one of the greatest artists of all time, uh, was kind of famous for not having the greatest technique on the trumpet. He didn't need perfect technique. He needed the technique he needed to sound like Miles Davis. So that thinking in the moment, there's a craftsman, all the training that we've had to do to make things happen in the moment, but then there's that artistic impulse that tells us what to do. And so as far as I'm concerned, uh, painters can be artists, but there's a lot of painters who are not artists. They're craftsmen, right? You can play the saxophone in an artistic way or a craftsman kind of way. Many of the jobs that we think of as non-artistic jobs, there's art in there when, when you have the right headspace about it. So I'm from Western Canada. So as a little kid, I took piano lessons just because that's what you did when you were a little kid in my family. So I started taking piano lessons. And uh, when I got to junior high school, seventh grade, it was time to pick a band instrument. And uh, I came home and said, Mom and Dad, I'm playing drums. And they said something like, hell no, you're not. <laughs> it was something like that. And uh, they said, well, hey, you know, your cousin's boyfriend in high school plays the saxophone. Remember we went to that concert? They took me to see a concert. And it was awesome. It was actually one of the best high school bands in the country at the time, luck of the draw. And so they kind of steered me into playing saxophone because they thought it might be a softer instrument. It's not really, <laughs> but they thought it might be. So that's how I got into it. I didn't like jazz. Or I didn't know what it was. Uh, the first couple times I heard it, it's like it didn't really speak to me, but it was better than that crappy classical music I was playing. That's what my little knucklehead 14-year-old brain said. Like, this isn't hip, but it's hipper than what I've been doing, so I'm going to do that. So I found myself playing jazz, and I found myself getting interested in jazz. And then I found the styles of jazz that I liked at the time. Um, and it was more electric fusion-y kind of stuff in the late 70s and early 80s. And, and so that's sort of how I got into jazz. It was really quite by mistake, I think. And I learned to love the style as I went on. Um, and, and that was kind of it. When I graduated high school, I was going to be a physicist. 100%, I loved math and science, and that's what I was going to do. And I took a little last-minute change, and I thought, instead of going right to university to study physics, let me go to the college in town and just do one year of music, get it out of my system, and I'll go and do science. And uh, I didn't realize you don't get music out of your system. It gets further into your system. And so that's what happened. So one year became two years, and next thing I knew, I went to the University of North Texas as a jazz major and ended up with a master's degree in everything else. So as far as composing goes, um, it's happens very differently every time, and I've heard many composers say this same thing. Sometimes I'll be practicing saxophone and something just comes out that catches my ear, something I haven't played before, or maybe I've played it 10,000 times, but today it caught my ear. So I'll have to write down that idea or I'll forget it for sure. 
um, and put it in a notebook and sometimes that finds its way into a song. Uh, sometimes I'll sit down at the piano and my approach at the piano is different. I, I don't play piano nearly as well as I play saxophone. So more complicated melodies I'm more likely to come up with on the saxophone. I have that facility. Something that has to do more with the harmony or the chords or a bass line, I'll probably write at the piano because the piano lends itself to the bass notes that the saxophone doesn't have. It lends itself to the harmony. Um, sometimes I'll hear a groove in my head and I'll try to remember that groove and imagine what melody would happen over that groove. So there's all these elements of music and I guess I just named three of them. The melodic part, the harmonic part, the groove part, I guess I mentioned a bass line, um, a foundational part. So for me, the music can come from any of those places. And when, once I have a little bit of one in place, I try to either expand that or imagine what the next part would be above it or below it. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different every time. So the group dynamics is endlessly fascinating. Um, there, are, there are some jazz soloists, the first person that came to mind is Charlie Parker. And Charlie Parker would play Charlie Parker independent of what was going on behind him. He was just so ridiculously bad, almost no one could keep up to him. So he was a soloist, like he was up front saying his thing. Uh, the way jazz progressed since then, it's become more and more communal. So I'm not like Charlie Parker in a lot of ways. <laughs> and one way is I am most comfortable when I'm part of a team. Even when it's my solo, I want to hear the bass and the drums and the piano or the guitar, whoever's behind me. I'm really counting on them helping me play my solo. Um, I'm listening for a rhythm that the piano player may play as they comp. And that rhythm is immediately going to make me hear something different. It's going to make me hear what I thought I was going to play in a different way. Or I'm going to say, oh man, that was way cooler than what I was going to play one second from now. Let me get on that. And then when I play that, the piano player notices like, oh, hey, Jeff picked up on that. What does he think of this? And so now my solo isn't so much about Jeff being out front, being the soloist, it's about this conversation. So I'm talking to the piano player now, but the drummer's listening to all of this and he's got something to say. And so he plays some bass player, she heard all that too. And so it becomes this amazing thing. And now like in a conversation, if everybody listens too closely and comments on everything always, it's a mess. We're chasing each other around, everyone's talking over everyone, and we're repeating each other's words. That's no good at all. That's not a conversation. So the great players know what to say when. They know when to nod their head. They know when to interrupt. They know when to kick me in the butt. They know when to relax. So that's the great part. And when you see jazz musicians on stage, they're playing and all of a sudden they break into laughter. What the heck was that? Or they smile at each other. What was that? It was some subtle little thing that somebody heard that somebody com commented on. Sometimes it's humorous, sometimes it's like, man, you're a bad cat. I had no idea you heard that.
So for at least 15 years now, I've been working with adult amateur students. I've been teaching my whole life. So really I've been teaching 30 some years, but for the last 15 years, I've really focused on all the great adult musicians out there who are not full-time musicians. They may be semi-pros, they may just play in the basement. They, they may be people that just love this music and wanna play more. And uh, just luck of the draw, I started working with these folks and it became really fascinating. These are the most passionate students I've ever had. And I'm talking about, I've taught college and grad students and I've taught hotshot high school kids and everything else and nothing against any of them. But my adult students have more passion than anyone I've ever met. This music, they've, I mean, these adults have really decided the last two thirds of my life is gonna be jazz and saxophone, or guitar, or vibraphone, or whatever. Um, that's a big deal. Some people pick football to be the thing they love to do. Some people pick fancy bottles of wine. Well, these people pick jazz. And the passion is what any teacher wants. I don't care if I'm talking at a very high, complicated, fancy level, or if I'm talking at an introductory level. To me, it's all good. All I want is passion. I want someone to bring out my passion and I want to see their eyes light up. So when I'm teaching these adult students, that's where the connection happens. And uh, since we're talking about jazz, what I love is taking these students who are usually alone in their homes, practicing in the basement. They've you know, been listening to this music for decades. They maybe have played it for decades, but they don't have a way to connect with other musicians. They're accountants, they're, they're attorneys, they're doctors, they're house husbands. They don't know other musicians. So for me, the idea is what if I put these people together and get them vibing together, get them playing together. And we talk about improvising and group dynamics. We talk about how to be a craftsman and we talk about how to be an artist. And once that starts happening, that's, that's where the real magic happens. And that's, that's my favorite kind of teaching and it's where I've kind of taken my teaching in the last couple of years. And that's really a lot of what I do. Well, creativity or finding an artistic voice, uh, it's very interesting. There's, there's a guy that I love to read, his name is Seth Godin, and he's a marketer. He's a business marketing guy, but he talks a lot about art. It's very interesting. And uh, one of the things he says about art is it's generous. Art is always generous. It's about not expecting anything back. You would do it even if there was never ever gonna be a dollar coming back your way. So when someone's thinking artistically, it's a gift. It's something you have to do. So art is something that's individual. It happens in the moment. It's supposed to create an emotion. It's not supposed to go, you know, fade into the wall. It's not supposed to fade into the woodwork. It's supposed to challenge somebody. So when you take chances and uh, when you put some of yourself into it, and if you come back tomorrow not really caring that nobody said anything about it yesterday, that's going the correct direction.